Welcome to Souls and Hearts, Be With the Word. And I'm Dr. Jerry Crete, marriage and family therapist in Atlanta, Georgia. I am Dr. Peter Malinowski, clinical psychologist in Indianapolis, Indiana. And we're glad to have you with us. And we're excited about today's episode. We are going to be talking about how to find um, the peace that surpasses all understanding. So we're really going to be speaking to how to reduce anxieties and uh, and prayer. Sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> it, you know, especially I was just thinking as you were saying that just especially in our day and age with, you know, the COVID crisis, you know, mm-hmm. all of the, the anxieties that press in upon us, all the things that can make us anxious. This is like so timely, Dr. Jerry. So I think so. Really good. I, yeah. Yeah. And if you haven't read the readings already then feel free to go over to Hear the Word, which is our sister podcast where Dr. Peter and I just read it to you. That's all we do. So you can just sit back and take it in while you're driving or while you're cleaning the house or whatever you're doing, (laughs) or you're in your prayer room, wherever you are. Um, But uh, take it in because it really helps to appreciate even more what we're going to discuss. We'll still try to provide enough context that hopefully it will make sense, Um, but we want to give you the best experience. Right. Uh, I think you're right. So, anxiety, Dr. Peter. Yeah. I mean, I was just reading some stats, Dr. Jerry, over the weekend that, you know, anxiety levels are spiking. I mean, there is a lot more anxiety um, and it, it's sort of broken out by age groups, too. So especially um, millennials, a lot of anxiety among millennials, younger folks. Um, and uh, and it's understandable, right? I mean, we are in sort of uncharted waters in a lot of ways uh, with where we are today. And so it makes sense to me that people are experiencing higher levels of anxiety. I'm getting a lot more calls in my practice, too, for anxiety and things like that as well. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I, I see the same thing happening. And, you know, it's funny. One thing that helps us discharge anxiety, or at least for some people, would be to watch certain movies you know, and there's, you know, a movie where there's a zombie apocalypse or a TV show or where, you know, aliens invade or there's a contagion of some kind. And somehow I think people watch those and they know it's not them on some level, but they vicariously experience the thrill of it. And the, and then usually at the end you get the hero or whatever gets past it. And, and why I bring that up is I think that it's almost like people now have been fed a lot of these anxiety-ridden programs, myself <laughs> included. And now it sometimes feels like they're happening. I mean, not right. truly. Right. Hopefully there's no zombies or aliens yet. But, you know, a global pandemic is a is a nerve-wracking thing. It's been going on for a long time. And people yeah. don't know what to do. Like, is it okay, you know, to go to this event? Is it okay? How many people? All this right. stuff, like, what do I do? What do I don't do? And right. what's that? stake could be high like your your health your very life possibly so i don't know there's a lot of ways in which people handle that anxiety right right and so i think it's really i think it's really timely that we're going to be getting into anxiety and to like the prescriptions that our faith has for us for working with our anxieties because these are not things that were unknown to to the ancients either to people in the first century you know when when saint paul was writing for example the letter yeah. of, to the philippians and they weren't unknown when psalm 80 was written and they weren't unknown when um you know in when isaiah was 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 you know walking the face of the earth so well so we have some history the, here yeah for the philippians i mean 
there's everyday anxieties that just anybody has to live with. I can't even imagine in, you know, the first century, but then there's also the fear of just being a Christian. Cause if you were a Christian, you could be, you know, thrown to the lions. So there had to be also just anxiety in pronouncing the faith, which I think Paul is speaking to in Philippians as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a high cost, high cost of, 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 of embracing the faith and, you know, it was a time where it was hard to be sort of half-hearted, right? I mean, it was like a time where, you know, you were either in or out, you know, because, again, the cost was high. It wasn't something that you could just sort of dabble in a little bit, um, you know, because, again, the consequences. So, Yeah, and, I, and, I, and there are Christians in the world today that face those kind of consequences that we don't really have in the same way here in the U.S., but... Not yet, but I think we we could be getting there. Um, yeah. You know, for example, some of the difficulties that pharmacists have with dispensing abortifacients, and you know, mm. the problems that uh, that Catholic uh, university professors have, you know, in terms of all of the uh, wokeness and political right. and stuff like that, right. um, or statues, so, yeah. churches being vandalized, even. Right. So we have that happening too. But you know what? The internal conflict is interesting to me um, right. as well right. because. You know what was hitting me, and uh, we talked a little bit before about this, but I mean, in the in the first reading in Isaiah, it really does make the case: watch out, Israel, because the Lord is the you know has a vineyard. You're the cherished plant, right? <laughs> you know, you're you're, right. you're the cherished one, but you you could be replaced, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, well, and so then, and then the same thing we get in the gospel, right? Because we have Jesus using the parable of the the vineyard, and it's really clear that God is the owner of the vineyard. He steps away and sends his servants, right, to come and collect his due. And those servants get uh, beaten, they get killed, and so on. And then all the way up to his son, and so. There is a strong message here that, I mean, it's clearly kind of talking about the Jews and the Gentiles and this kind of thing, but there's kind of the message that you could be, you know, at the end of the day, you could be, you'll be judged and you might be, you might lose your vineyard. And and they did. I mean, it's because, I mean, Isaiah is writing here before, um, I, I'm pretty sure this is before the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 BC, right? When the Israelites were conquered by the Babylonians and taken into exile. It's like they still didn't listen. And I'm actually in a deep study of Judges right now, the book of Judges. And it's just amazing how much infidelity there was, how much worshiping of other idols, you know, worshiping of idols, you know, uh, just just violations of the covenant left and right. So, you know, our God is patient, but there is there is a demand for certain standards of behavior and uh, and we're responsible for that. We're so responsible though, for what we do. But he gives like tons and tons of chances to the Israelites. Yep. And yep. in the end of the day, there does come a point of judgment. Um, right. and, and I think for, I'm just thinking of the average Christian now, like listening to this, right? Reading these readings and what might be going on inside. Because to me, there would, I immediately kind of go, ooh, warning. You know, there's a part of me that says, am I going to be, you know, thrown out? Am I the unworthy servant? Am I the whatever? Like, there's a part of me that feels that. And then I also, like, look at a reading, like many of them, and including this one in the Philippians, where 
basically it's saying, you know, um, God's peace is, you know, surpasses all understanding and all the readings that talk about God's love and how much he just, he loves us like crazy. And then, then, so I have another part of me that, or maybe it's my, that inner self, you know, my, my true self or what have you, that it's like eating that up and says, oh yeah, I love that. But then there's a tension, my fear on one hand, is God going to reject me? And the sense in which, yeah, God loves me. And even that can create anxiety, you know, within oneself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think there's an in, a real struggle between sort of the internal and the external. And that's what really captured what, what I was capturing out of these readings. You know, so, you know, the reason you build a watchtower in your vineyard and you build a hedge around it is to protect it from external enemies, right? So I was sort of thinking about that as the self, right? A lot of times we're on the lookout for external enemies. We don't want to be tempted by Satan. We want to, you know, limit the near occasions of sin. We don't want to hang out with people that lead us into, into trouble. But if you look at what happened in the vineyard in the um, in the gospel, like it was overrun from within, right? There wasn't a failure of the watchtower. It wasn't a failure of the hedge. It was a failure of the people to whom the vineyard was entrusted, right? If you think about mm-hmm. that on a micro level, right, just in terms of each one of us, that's where um, that's where we're really vulnerable is to destroying our own vineyards, right? Destroying our own internal vineyards, not because Satan overruns the hedges or something like that, but because we manage them badly. And that sort of brings us right back to the, what I was thinking about in terms of Philippians, right? You know, so there's all kinds of things, ways that we can get overrun. Uh, And it doesn't all have to be malice. That's the other thing that I was thinking about is we don't have to like have the malice that the owner, uh, the, the tenants of the vineyard in the gospel have. We could simply withdraw from God, not do his bidding out of fear, out of a willful ignorance, out of shame, you know, out of a lot of other motives. So I really, I was thinking shame while you were talking, you know, there are many motives because I think that if, if you stay in a place that says, uh, I am fearful and that God is going to judge me, I'm not worthy because, well, we're not worthy, but if you stay in like overwhelmingly feeling that way, that you're stuck in lots of shame, then you're almost self-sabotaging yourself because then the shame, it puts a barrier between you and receiving God's love and the consolations he wants to give us. And I feel like we're mistaking ourselves for maybe the servants who are malicious or who have hardened their hearts. Most of us, now if we have something where we've done or whatnot that is... I guess, malicious or whatever, that needs repentance, right? But if we're stuck in just constant self-doubt and self-deprecation and and this kind of thing, then it actually prevents us from getting to where God wants us to go, right? It's almost like we're sabotaging ourselves. And I feel like that's where shame comes in. Well, that's, and that's because I think anxiety is often the result of that shame, right? I mean, I tend to think as a clinician of anxiety as a symptom, right? I think of it as pretty late Mm -hmm. in the causal chain. It doesn't mean it's not a problem of its own and anxiety can cause its own problems later on in a causal chain. But I see, I see anxiety as a symptom. Uh, You know, I see it as a, a way of, you know, it's a consequence of assuming that I'm not going to be loved, 
you know, that I'm not going to be cared for, that my shame, my inadequacy, you know, is me, you know, that I am my shame, you know, it's part of my identity and I won't be loved and so forth. So, you know, when I read about, you know, uh, St. Paul talking to the Philippians about uh, how to manage their anxiety, right? He says, have no anxiety at all. And whenever I see that as a clinician, it sort of, it's like, oh man, St. Paul, you're not a therapist. Cause I mean, if you could just do that, if you could just say, all right, as a clinician, I'm gonna go have no anxiety at all. Shazam, you know, and, 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 and people yeah. are like, oh, that's a good idea. I guess I'll just give up my anxiety. Right. It doesn't right. really right. work like that, you know? Um, yeah. But I think what he's what what he might be getting at, and I don't know his mind on this, but is to let's let's actually get at the roots of that anxiety. Let's actually right. see what's causing it, and let's resolve that, uh, so that you don't have to be anxious. And I think the root, at least from what my readings of Saint Paul here and other passages that we've been looking at for for, for months and months now, is is this distinction between the heart that may be penitent, but surrenders and trusts and has faith and that heart then seeks obedience even when it's hard because they've surrendered themselves to god even if they're imperfect right and not even if despite the fact that they are imperfect continues to surrender and trusts god because that heart knows that god wants what's best even if as a human, I don't see it. And, and that God has the power to ultimately bring about the best, even if in the moment or the foreseeable future, I'm going to have some troubles. So that's a really different heart than the servants in the vineyard parable or than the Pharisees that Jesus often condemns, right? Um, it's a different heart. And, and, and like, sometimes yeah. we have to know our own heart. Right. Right. I mean, that's a natural heart, what you're talking about, the, 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 the heart that wants to be healed, the heart that wants to connect, a natural heart. And, you know, then the stony hearts, you know, that right. we have too. And, you know, one of the things we need to remember is that because of our fallen natures, we are actually inclined toward evil. And this is straight out of the mm-hmm. catechism. We have an inclination toward evil. Uh, and I think it's because we misunderstand things, right? We assume that some of the things that we pursue are actually the answers, right? So that's why we do all this self-protection stuff. But I, lo- right. I really loved what you were saying, Jerry, about it. We're going to only find our security in relationship, right? We're only going to find security. The only place we're going to find security as Catholics is in our relationship with God. Uh, yeah. And so we have to get over the impediments, the obstacles to actually seeking God out because God's not going to invade us. He's not going to come in to our lives without permission. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I do believe that whatever the reason is that we flee from God, if we stay committed to fleeing from God, whether that's out of fear or shame or anger or disappointment or whatever, jealousy, whatever it is, mm-hmm. we're going to be separating ourselves from God. Yeah. And that God can't overcome. You know, because he needs our permission to be in our lives. Because he's given so. us the freedom. Yeah. Part of our nature. Freedom. You know, and that you given- see that radical freedom. You see that radical freedom, right? In the in the way that he was working with the tenants, right? He's he mm-hmm. set the parameters for the relationship. And then they were he wasn't micromanaging them. They were yeah. free to do all kinds of wonderful things. He wasn't or a terrible things. Either. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. He provided them. He provided them with everything they needed, right? He built the entire vineyard and set it all up before he left, right? He didn't leave mm -hmm. them helpless or without direction, um, but they chose badly. Yeah, yeah. And he gave them tons of chances to possibly fix it or do it right. differently. Um, right. So it's not like his love is is just is, is it isn't he isn't quick to anger. He's actually right. shockingly patient. In fact, the story is almost so ridiculous. That's why the people listening to the parables response was, well, of course, he's going to, you know, uh, <laughs> wreak vengeance. Um, and, but his bigger point that he was making is that he, Christ himself, is the one who, who is rejected. His himself is going to be, is the cornerstone, which is pretty cool. Pretty cool. So how do we get there, I guess? Because... What St. Paul lays out, you know, to, to get over this, like, oh, yeah, uh, it's so easy to just not have anxiety. But he actually does say pray. And he gives us two specific kinds. He says petition. So it's okay to ask for prayers for yourself and for others. Right. It's okay to come to God with a petition. And thanksgiving. Right? And then he goes on and explains all these things that we should be turning to, you know, whatever's true, right. honorable, gracious, all those things. And so I think it might be worth looking at what those are and what that would look like in our lives to actually focus on those positive things that St. Paul brings up. Right. And what psychological things get in the way of mm -hmm. us doing that, right? Because there's a lot of psychology right here in Philippians, in the letter to the Philippians. And there's a lot of places where people really get hung up in their prayer um, yeah. because of psychological factors. Yeah. So I think it comes back to a theme that we've seen a lot, which is how do you see through the eyes of God? Like, how do you actually not see as humans do? Which, of course, is like you said, we, we live in a fallen world. <laughs> we have a fallen nature. That's not the, as easy as St. Paul makes it sound. In a way. Um, <laughs> I was looking at true, the word true, um, and different tra or, um, translations sometimes get at that, and true and then honorable. Um, and our world, I would say, offers sometimes this false truth, in other words, a deception, or that a belief that we're going to have peace and happiness based on worldly standards, right? So to me, we're... St. Paul may be calling us here to look at something that's really true, where true happiness comes. Or even just to hold on to that there is objective truth that doesn't depend on my subjectivity. Like there's a huge fashion right now to say, well, that's your truth. Right. And I have my truth, you know, and 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 Jim over here has his truth. <laughs> right. Which is a, which is basically saying there is no objective truth, right? That it's just all subjectivity. It's all what I happen to believe is true, is true for me. And so this reminds us very clearly that that is not a Catholic notion at all. We believe right. that there is that there is an external thing that is true and good and beautiful, right? It's not all in it's not all just made up in the in the subjectivity of the of the person, yeah. of the individual. Cool, cool. And the word and an honorable was the second one there. And that has sometimes translated in different translations as honest, even, or venerable, or reverent, or even worthy. And the Greek word is semnos, which is hard. Um, and the, the th thought I had there was in, in, in being able to see the world 
right? And focus on its honor or worthiness. It wasn't so much about the person's worthiness, so much as like seeing the world as the temple of God, that everything, you know, that the, the, that seeing the honor that is exists in the world already um, was kind of where I was, was reflecting on it, which means it's not, I don't mean rose colored glasses because we can't ignore the things that are problems around us, but it's like actually not missing, right? The honor, if you will, the worthiness, the reverence of the world. So to me, I, I can't help but think of nature. When I when I think of this and, and appreciating uh, the creation, yeah. this is one take yeah. honorable. Um, yeah. yeah, and then I was sort of uh, sort of thinking about it as like elevated things that are like elevated, yeah. right? You know that are that are that are that are worthy of being honored, right? That we need to reflect on those things, not just take no. them for granted, or not just focus on the things that are dishonorable, right? right. You know. So. Right, right. Well, exactly. I think that's the point is focusing on the good and all of these. Right. Because right. the pure, the word here, pure in Greek was hagnos. Um, and it usually referred to temple practices that you had to cleanse something before you brought it before God. Right. Mm-hmm. And so something that was uncontaminated is the notion of that, of pure. Um, lovely is, I thought was interesting. Um, the Greek word was now I'm not a Greek scholar. I was just like <laughs> Greek words were because it was interesting to me, and because at first that one actually was the one that stumped me quite a bit in terms. Of, okay, what what does he mean there? What how are we focusing on lovely? Is he talking about like, um, you know, somebody's nice porch decorations or something, right? <laughs> and I think it the way I, I was reading it, somebody used the word um, in one translation as winsome which is a word that I think has gone out of fashion. I don't know that people even know that word, something that's attractive, but something to me in this word of lovely means it calls forth love from you. So it draws, it inspires in you feelings of love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm curious in that, like, honestly, to me, um, the mother and child icon is it Vladimir? There's the one where I just, it's just my favorite. It's the one where Jesus and Mary's lips are close to each other. And somehow just that image calls, is lovely to me. It calls forth a feeling of love. And honestly, a newborn doesn't, small babies can do that, right? Because there's an innocence. It just calls forth the beautiful in, 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 in humanity in some way. Um, so something that is lovely is calling us to love. Well, I was thinking about it in terms of music, you know, there's music that elevates the soul that really seems to have a transcendent quality to it. Right. And it's focused on these things. And then there's also music that, you know, uh, can lead us to really focus on what is ugly, you know, what is, what is terrible, mm-hmm. what is, you know, and it may be that it reflects some, uh, some reality and it might not be, it may be a reality that we don't, we shouldn't ignore, but to have a steady diet of that, is going to impact us in really negative ways. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the, there is some some studies that show that uh, uh, prosecutors and uh, law enforcement officers, especially that work on like vice teams or you know mm-hmm. uh, homicide teams, you know sex traffic, you know sex trafficking stuff, they get really down. They get really yeah. down because there's a steady steady diet of them having to 
you know, study, work with, think about all kinds of truly horrific things. And it yep. has a huge impact on their, on their psychological well-being. Yeah. It made me think of 911, uh, call people, you know, sure. that's all, EMTs, they all right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's a real challenge to be able Just to be in that kind of work therapist for that yep. matter sometimes. Yep. <laughs> right. And no, we, do, we do hear a lot of things. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, you know, so I think it's, uh, I think, I think he's getting, he's tapping into these truths about where we can consciously and voluntarily focus our interests. And going back to what you were saying about movies, you know, there's plenty of dystopian movies out there that, you know, could really, could really drag people down. And sometimes they're lauded as being great art, you know, it captures the essence of the, of the current epic or whatever. Um, or even, uh, you know, a lot of the concerns that are going on in the political realm right now, uh, mm -hmm. the division, the infighting. Constant um, news outlets, constantly yeah. reporting on negative things. Right. I, I can't listen to that for very long. The, the next one is gracious, which I wanted to quickly mention because the word in Greek is euphemia, oh, euph euphema, sorry. And it literally means fair speaking. And this, so to me, the, it can be a bit of a, the word gracious may not mean what St. Paul is intending there for most of us, but it, it's all about, um, uh, oh, and, and that word euphema <laughs> was typically used in temples Right, and it refers to like a time of silence or very careful words that would be said before a sacrifice was made in front of the gods. So, so in other words, what you say, you would be careful to say in front of God, kind of thing. So, speaking good and holy words is the intention here. So, in other words, don't put yourself in the position to hear the opposite of that. Right. right, the blasphemous, yeah, the blasphemous stuff. The, yeah, the, crude, the really negative crude. stuff. Yeah, yeah, negative right. kind of thing. So, all of these then comes to the word excellence. He uses the word excellence, and I, I'll just quickly mention like the the word in Greek is arete. I don't know if I'm saying it right from classical words, which refers to excellence and virtue. And Saint Paul doesn't use that word anywhere else but here, according to this thing I was reading, and so. Um, it's interesting that he saved it for here because I think because that word could be misused or whatever, misconstrued, but it basically saying like you, oh, you said the word elevate a moment ago. I think that's it. High things that Christians are to think of. In other words, go to something high, elevate it, elevate your spirit with the good is my take right. on all this was. All right. Well, and he's basically giving the rationale here for cognitive behavioral therapy, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, now neither you or I are are you know, use cognitive behavioral therapy primarily, but um, but yeah, it takes a look. That therapy really takes a look at how do your cognitions impact your mood? You know, exactly. what kinds of messages are getting repeated over and over again in your thoughts, and what does that impact going to be on your mood, and how is that going to impact your behavior? So. Yeah. So no, good point. I, I'm actually finding, even though, like you said, I'm not primarily and neither are you a cognitive behavior therapist. I do use aspects and techniques from that uh, approach, but I do find as we've been doing the show, a lot of cognitive behavioral aspects are coming out in the scriptures, uh, mm -hmm. which is interesting. 
Well, I did want to do a little meditation on this. Yes. And yes. So hopefully that's all right. Just to kind of give you something that maybe a way to reflect on these uh, scripture, a way to reflect on, reflect on the saints' words, to help bring them in and hopefully um, access um, this peace, right? This peace that, uh, uh, that surpasses all understanding. So in a way, what we're having to do is open ourselves to that. I was going to lead with this um, little prayer I have. Uh, this is a photocopy of this little snippet. It's a little prayer that my grandfather had carried with him in his guitar case. He was a musician and he carried with him everywhere he went. And then after he died, I got it, the little thing. Um, and it is my probably one of my favorite saint quotes. So I'm, and it relates to anxiety and it's St. Francis de Sales. Um, so I'm going to lead with that because I just, okay. I just love it, <laughs> but all right. So but if you're able to, if you're driving or something, you can still kind of follow along. Um, but of course you can't do it a hundred percent, um, cause your focus is going to be a little divided, but if you're able to get comfortable, get to, a, a you know, in a nice a spot in your chair, you're welcome to lay out on the ground or, or anything that any place that makes you comfortable. And as we like to do here is begin with a little attention to our bodies and just notice. Notice we're holding tension. And if we're holding tension in our shoulders and our hands and our jaw or gut, wherever, just take a really nice deep breath. Take it right, deep breath in. And as we breathe out, invite all that tension to relax. You know, it might not all dissipate. We can continue taking deep breaths and continue to invite the tension to relax. And it's okay if it's not 100%, but let's try to notice how much of it is able to just kind of uh, melt away, melt away um, just through our breathing and just through our noticing that we have tension because we're carrying stuff from the day, from the week. So we start by noticing our bodies. And then we're going to move from there to just thinking a little bit about our relationship with God. And if you're able to come up with an image that works for you of God's presence, his gentle presence, we will, you can definitely use that. This little prayer I'm going to read or this passage I'm going to read may give you an image. If it works for you, then hold on to that. St. Francis de Sales says, be at peace. Do not look forward in fear to the changes of life. Rather, look to them with full hope as they arise. God, whose very own you are, will deliver you from out of them. He has kept you hitherto and he will lead you safely through all things. And when you cannot stand it, God 
will bury you in his arms. Do not fear what may happen tomorrow. The same everlasting Father who cares for you today will care of you then and every day. He will either shield you from suffering or will give you unfailing strength to bear it. Be at peace and put aside all anxious thoughts and imaginations. And so if that image of God burying you in his arms speaks to you, I just would ask you to allow yourself to really feel ah, what it would be like to be nestled or buried or enveloped, if you will, with his gentle and loving and strong presence. And if a different image is more appropriate for you, then that's okay. But as you're imagining this, this situation, or as you're imagining being close with God, I'm just going to ask our Lord to help connect us with the many words of St. Paul. In these passages, he calls us to focus on something good, something that elevates us. And so I invite you to bring to mind something in your life or something that you've appreciated. Maybe it's, maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's nature. Maybe it was an act of kindness. Something true, something honorable, pure, lovely, something worthy of praise. Just bring whatever that is, bring that to mind. And offer a prayer of thanksgiving. Thanking God for the good things or this particular good that you've experienced. And so we reflect on the ways in which God is revealed to us in scripture. In this passage, St. Paul calls him the God of peace. In Thessalonians, St. Paul says, may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. In Romans, St. Paul says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
In another place in Romans, St. Paul says, May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another. And in 2 Corinthians, St. Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all consolation, who consoles us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to console those who are in any affliction with the consolation with which we ourselves are consoled by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are abundant for us, so also our consolation is abundant through Christ. So Lord, we just thank you as we imagine ourselves either buried in his arms, whatever image came, we thank you that you are the God of peace, the God of hope, the God of consolations, and that you are with us. And help us to continually turn to you, continue, ex continually experience your presence as often as we can throughout the day. And I invite you to take a nice cleansing breath and come back to the present moment, wherever you are, as I reconnect here with Dr. Peter. <laughs> How was that for you, Dr. Peter? Well, that was good. I was a little distracted uh, at one point because I was mm -hmm. trying to figure out whether your grandfather would have known Gordon Lightfoot. Oh, you both can, whether you would have known him personally? Yeah, whether you would have known him. So that, that flitted in and out of my mind, as okay. often happens with these, right? I mean, sometimes you have these these yeah. thoughts. But okay. I, I, actually, I actually had this all sort of wrapped up in the uh, what came to me was the gift of Our Lady. Right. Like like she just seems to represent all of these things. Um, mm -hmm. And so I was really grateful for relatively, you know, in my middle age, really, because um, I'm not that young. Um, but in middle age, like really having a spiritual director that introduced me to who she really was, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I was like I had this image of from St. Therese, St. Therese of Lisieux where she talks about being at the foot of the stairs and we just, we try to lift our foot, but we can't, right? But God doesn't expect mm -hmm. us to climb the stairs because the stairs are too big for us. But but what he wants to see is us making the effort. And then he comes down the stairs and carries us up the stairs. Um, wow. And so it was that very much that imagery with Our Lady next to me uh, around some of these things that can seem too big to be able to, by human effort alone, overcome. So. Um, well, so that's kind of where yeah. I was with it. So right. I, I appreciate that. But, I, you know, I think it's it's good that people know that, yeah, we're going to get distracted from time to time in this, you know? Right. And oh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and so and that's that too. the beauty of it, right? These This kind of form of taking time to just pray and be with God, it's going to be different each time. And right. anybody who listened through that is going to have a totally different experience. And some sometimes it'll be like, oh, that was amazing. And other times it might be like, oh, I couldn't focus. Meh. You it didn't work for right. me. Yeah. So you take you take what's take what's 
take what's helpful to you, right? I mean, yeah. that's the, that's, I think what, what, you know, one of the reasons why we have so many different devotional practices, so many different ways to pray, so many different, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, spiritual charisms, spiritualities. I mean, we can, we, we have a wide variety in Catholicism, so it's not a one size fits all thing. For sure. For sure. Well, Dr. Peter, we're having to wrap up soon. We do want people to um, join us over at soulsandhearts.com. Right. Uh, Check us out. Yeah. Yeah. We've got things coming all the time and you and I are appearing in lots of different places all the time. Right. Uh, I was did a little segment on with integrity restored with Jim O'Day. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Kind of related to trauma and, um, and, and, uh, I guess porn addiction or <laughs> any kind of addictions. So, which is something I talk about quite often, but it's, uh, Always dip with different interviewers. There's always some different angles. So right, check right. out Integrity Restored for that. And and our, we'll have a link on our website as well. Right on the guest appearances page. That'll come up. So, Yeah. Yeah. And I know we talked about anxieties and stuff in your podcast. Uh, yeah. There's, there's some interesting stuff happening there. Yeah. We're really getting into uh, tolerating being loved. How do you be receptive? And there we go into a much deeper dive. Uh, we do that in the in the podcast itself, but then in the community, there's, um, there are these, uh, other, uh, private podcasts. And then there's some zoom meetings where we actually go into this in a lot of depth and it very much dovetails with what we're doing now. So if you resonated with this exercise, there's a lot more of that kind of thing in the Brazilian Catholics Carpe Diem community. So check that out and you can check out the coronavirus crisis Carpe Diem podcast. That's free. Um, and you can get those on the souls and hearts website as well. So, right. And check, and there's a section on anxieties, on the be, in the Be True course, which is a course right. focused on uh, discernment, discerning your vocation. Right. All right. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you, Dr. Peter. <laughs> and, it's been great uh, to be with you, Dr. Jerry, and with our audience. And let us know what you think. You know, we've had a few comments come in. It's been great to hear from our audience. So, uh, you know, keep mm-hmm. sending that stuff in to us. And, uh, and uh, mm-hmm. we do read them, so. Yeah. 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 So join us over, uh, subscribe, like, and all that stuff, whether you're on uh, YouTube and or whether you're on a podcast forum like Apple or Spotify, be sure to subscribe if you want to keep hearing more and tell your friends. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> all right. Until next time, be still. Believe.